Welcome back to Around the 412. We are part of the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am Tyler, and with me, as always, is my main man, Smitty. Smitty, rocking that jersey. How's it going? Beautiful jersey, isn't it? I yeah, love these things. Yeah. I'm so. Uh, did you like. Okay. I don't know if we've talked about this. Probably have, and the fans can answer this too in the comments. You prefer these ones or the white ones that we had last year, reverse retros? If, if I'm picking between the two, I'm, I prefer the black ones. Uh, okay. I don't know if that's just a little bit of nostalgia in me or uh, I, I think I just like the look of the black jersey better. I mean, the white ones were OK. I just I just think that if you're going to have the diagonal Pittsburgh, it pops more on the black jerseys. Yeah. I'd have to agree. Um, Penguins are wearing these on Sunday afternoon. We'll talk about that game along with the other games they played throughout the week when we get to the Pens portion of the show. However, this first segment for the foreseeable future, uh, especially with no baseball going on right now, Steelers in offseason mode. Penguins have their portion of the show regardless right now. This first segment, we're going to turn into answering questions from you guys, whether that be from Twitter, YouTube, in the comments for the following week, Instagram, however you want to reach out to us and get questions to us. We're going to start answering them in the first segment. So let's just jump right into it. Uh, let's go. Heather asked, what would your plan be for quarterback next year? Draft this year, roll with Mason slash Haskins and draft one next year, sign a free agent. Uh, I think it's, I mean, it's going to be a combination of the two things or everything pretty much thrown in here, in my opinion, like I think that we go into next year and this is just me, me thinking what the organization is going to do, not what I would ideally want them to do. Right. Um, I think what they're going to do is roll with Rudolph Haskins in a cheap free agent, wait and see how that all plays out and what other teams do at quarterback and wait till it's kind of like, I don't want to say watered down in free agency, but really for lack of better words, that uh and have like a Mariota type still sitting there that it's unsigned and bring him in to compete with those other two um so I think that that's what they're going to do now if you're asking me like oh best case scenario what do I think I I think that I fall somewhere in the middle of this whole Rogers Wilson like trade for a guy debate right because I don't want a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo making 27 million dollars I don't think is much of an upgrade I don't think that he moves the needle enough for the Steelers team I understand that the football teams that he's played on have won a lot of football games the Niners are right back in the mix again this year I I just think that he is a type of guy that's played in, in great ecosystems for a quarterback to play in and he doesn't lose you games he's just not a guy that's going to win you games either um so I just think he's more of a game manager type and I'm not willing to do that. The, the one name I'll throw out there is like an ideal guy for me in terms of not giving up too much draft capital, but I think is a guy that's young enough that you can still build on for the future is Derek Carr. If for some reason the Raiders decide to move on. And I'm thinking that that could potentially be a case just because no GM or coach right now uh, for them, if, if they bring in new guys and they want to move on and start fresh at quarterback and Derek Carr is available to me, that's like the ideal option. Yeah, that's definitely probably my top trade target um, that is more realistic for the Steelers. And I'm with you where I think that they'll probably roll into the season just with Mason and Haskins and then maybe another free agent, like you said, a Mariota, maybe a Tyrod Taylor sort of of situation like that kind of quarterback where he's not like an absolute scrub, but he's he's not going to wow you or anything like that. And when it comes to drafting one, uh, I don't really see them drafting one this year. I mean, it, it, I know like a lot of us would love if like they drafted 
Kenny Pickett out of Pitt, but I just don't see Kenny Pickett being available at number 20. Um, we know that Kevin Colbert's been linked to uh, Sam Howell out of North Carolina, but I again, I just, I just don't think that the Steelers are in a position where like the quarterback position should be their top priority, especially in this quarterback draft. I, I, I think there's a couple guys at the top that could be really intriguing, but then it kind of gets watered down and it's it's more uh, like low floor or, or low ceiling, high floor. A lot of like, a lot of the guys in this draft. Um, and so I, I personally wouldn't even worry about that. I would if you're asking me personally, drafting one is out of the question unless they get like a Kenny Pickett at number 20. Like that's that's a complete scenario. I just think yeah. he's going to be go- gone in like the top 10. Um, but if you, if you're me and I'm the GM, I am going to build around that quarterback, the future quarterback. I'm going to try to draft differently. I'm going to try to get the pieces on the offensive line and weapons around that quarterback. So when we do get a quarterback, he's in the best position available to go into that offense in a, a seamless transition. Um, but again, I, we have no idea. That's just what I would do. And when it comes to the free agent signings, I mean, yeah, like the Aaron Rodgers of Pittsburgh train's pretty big. I just I don't really realistically see it happening. Um, but stranger things have happened, I guess. I I just think that they'll probably roll into the season and we're most likely gonna see Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins as a starting quarterback in twenty twenty two. If they were to not be bringing one, let me throw one scenario at you and then we gotta move on to another question. If they would have not brought back one of Mason or Haskins, but both are going to be on the roster. And then you sign like a Tyrod Taylor. I think that's probably the ideal one for what I'm getting at here when I also talk about bringing the draft into this. And then say like Malik Willis is available in this in the second round, which I don't really necessarily see because I I mean, I think someone takes a chance on him earlier than we pick in the second round. But just say for this circumstance that that happens, I think he is like the perfect project guy. I think the ceiling for him is is, is the highest of this draft class, but there's no mm-hmm. way that he's going to come in and start right away. But if he were to learn from a guy like Tyrod Taylor, who's been around the block, um, he's a veteran in this league and is a similar play style as well. Um, I think that he would benefit from that. I just with with Haskins and Rudolph both still being on the roster coming back next year, I, they're, they're not going to carry four quarterbacks. So if they were to sign a bridge guy in free agency to come in and compete, uh, there's no way they're also going to address it in the draft. Do you think there's any chance that they're fine rolling with Haskins and Mason as those two are going to duke it out for the starter? And then why not bring back Josh Dobbs? I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I thought he was going to might have been gone this year, um, but he yeah. managed to stay around the team the whole time. I mean, I, I feel like it's not out of the scenarios to really think that he could be back next year. My my best guess for the starter next year is still Mason Rudolph. So, yeah, I, I could definitely see a scenario with what you're talking about, that being the quarterback room. They obviously like Josh Dobbs enough to keep him around, bring him back after they traded him away in the past. Uh, they like what he brings to the quarterback room, even though they don't necessarily want him to actually be playing football games. They still like his brain being in there uh, and what right. he brings on the sidelines on Sundays. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, completely switching gears, though, let's go to a, a Penn's question here often talked about this year with the Penguins really the one part of this team where they need to find something is backup goaltender to Tristan Jari to Smith has not been it Louis Domingue was good we're talking about just a one game sample size though is he the backup answer for the Pens or does Hextall make a move Hextall has to make a move regardless of if Domingue is the answer backup to me because I think uh, when you talk about this year specifically with all the COVID stuff we don't know injuries are going to play into this um, I think you need at least three capable NHL goaltenders on the roster at all times really right now or in the organization at all times right now and i think 
it's we know Tristan Jari obviously is. It's a question mark whether the main's going to be, although we obviously like what we saw in that one game. And the Smith just isn't it. I, I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't know if it's still the injury, if it's a mental thing at this point. He cannot play another game for this team right now. I, I, I can't no, have he, he he was pathetic in that first period against Ottawa and he just looked lost in his net. And I would say that the Penguins have one and a half NHL level goalies. I, I would say Sir is obviously the one. And then I would say half is Domingue because he only had the one start, even though he looked really are sure, good. It's, are we sure Tristan Jari should start. account for more than one himself? this point i mean i mean honestly yeah he, he's, he's playing at like a vesna <laughs> level well player which is a lot to say from where we were nine months ago on him but yeah. I, I think they definitely need to bring somebody in because like you were saying I, I, you can't count on everybody staying healthy with physically and with the COVID stuff you, it's so unpredictable you never know when a breakout could happen um but the smith I, I i just wish he was better but it, we kept saying it all season long so far and we're halfway through the season officially yesterday was game 41 but he he's just losing them games i mean he he didn't lose them the ottawa game because he got pulled for tristan jari but he's not keeping them in the game which is the most you can ask of a backup goaltender and they're just not getting that from him so if you're not going to get at least a chance to win he shouldn't be on the team he should be sent down to Wilkesbury who cares if he goes on waivers the way he's been playing it doesn't really matter Louis Domingue I, I, I would like to think that maybe he could be the backup after that one start it was a fantastic start he, then he got the lower body injury he's like week to week at this point we don't know when he's going to yeah. come back and you can't rely on, on Casey DeSmith we have another back to back coming out this Thursday and Friday what are we what are we going to see in that game like we should we just tra- start Tristan Jari both times because that's basically the best result honestly a tired Tristan Jari is performing better than a healthy Casey DeSmith at this point so yes I don't know what the answer is I, I'm not going to pretend like I do for goalie or what is out there that they could trade for at least in the backup market but I think they need to do something just for the safety net of having multiple goalies in your organization and for the chance that Louis Domingue is going to be able to come back anytime soon and see if we can get out of him again, we cannot survive having Casey DeSmith as our backup goalie for any longer. Yeah, and I think, you know, we've talked about it before, but you would like to think having the GM be Ron Hextall, a former goaltender, he knows the importance of what you're getting between the pipes. So hopefully he he prioritizes this, realizes this is really the one thing this team needs to go. Uh, and when I say that, I mean, this is this is a legit contender for the cup, in my opinion, so long as Tristan Jari is not completely broken down by the time that these games really matter in the playoffs. So uh, when we come back, we're going to switch gears back to football and talk about the Steelers. Some subjects talk about there. Tyler's ready to fire up the fans, although most of them might agree with him. Uh, we will be back. This is around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. That is Tyler. I am Smitty. Let's talk about the Steelers, um, whose season has come to an end. We talked about that last week, so we don't need to bring it up again. But hey, we're here. The NFL playoffs are still rolling. Steelers are not part of them. Uh, But there's never 
never a time. There's never a dull moment when it comes to Steelers, specifically Steelers Twitter. But uh, Steelers news is always a plenty. We can always find things to talk about. So let's talk about a couple topics here. Uh, let's start with the, with the fact that they are bringing back. We talked about it kind of in that first portion due to the question we had. Dwayne Haskins, they put a original round tender on him. They obviously want him to come back and compete uh, next year for a spot. So they would if for so whatever reason, no one's going to do it. But if somebody were to want to poach him from the Steelers organization, they would get a first round pick. However, Haskins, his salary for next year probably to be in the two point five million dollar range. So between that and Mason Rudolph on his five million dollar contract, you already talked about seven and a half million dollars being paid to the quarterback room right now. And that's without them presumably adding a third guy to it. Um, how do you feel about Haskins being back? I think it was an expected move. Um, but, you know, right now. Those are the only two quarterbacks that we're looking at really competing for the starting job. I'm good with Haskins coming back. I think out of the two between him and Mason, he has the higher upside of the two, at least from what we've seen so far. Um, and the off, in the off chance that anybody wants to snag him from us, we get a first round pick. <laughs> so it's kind of like the best of both worlds. Um, but as, as much as the new quarterbacks are going to, most likely suck to watch, at least for a little bit. I, I'm actually excited just to see the competition work out between Mason and Haskins and then potentially a third quarterback, depending on who they bring in. Um, I, I think it's good for the organizations. I think it should be an open competition. And as we said before, we think Mason will end up getting the job. He's been with the team the longest. He's actually had game time with the team that like, like 2019 miserable season. He got in some games last year. I, I just think that, uh, it's good to have a healthy competition now because there's no incumbent starter. Big Ben is going to be gone. And now we can really see these guys actually thrive for the, the starting core B, QB spot. And I, I think that Haskins has every right to be able to win that starting job as well. And like I said, he has the highest upside, I in my opinion, out of the two quarterbacks. So if he ends up winning the job, I don't mind it. Um and yeah. I mean, seven and a half million dollars is it, it, between those two quarterbacks. And you're thinking they had a third, but I realistically seven and a half million dollars for those two compared oh, yeah. to, the, I mean, what some other quarterbacks are going to cost. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not bad. Well, I mean, I just mentioned Jimmy G's making twenty seven million right now. So uh, but I guess the way I'm thinking about it is I do like I, I really think as of right now, at least that Mason Rudolph is the starter. But that's only because like they haven't until they add somebody else. That's what I'm going to think at the same time. Eleven times I counted eleven times in press conferences this year. Mike Tomlin mentioned quarterback mobility that that's not a thing when it comes to Mason Rudolph. He doesn't offer that, even though he did have like their second longest run of the season. And for a long portion of the season, it was their longest run of the season. Um, It's just it's not an element of his game. And if that's what they're looking for, then. There, there's no point in messing around with this. He's not going to be the starter if that's truly what they're coveting at the position. Um, I think we can kind of t- segue this conversation, though, to the fact that it seems like Matt Canada is going to be back for a second season, um, which we, we talked about, like people that want him back are really just going to be able to rely on the on the fact. This is a fact. It definitely was a part of the reason the offense wasn't successful is that the personnel sucked. I mean, for lack of better words, yeah. it sucked like across across the board. Pretty much. It was an awful offense. Um, I guess my problem is, even though the personnel was god awful, I think that you can turn on the all 22 and see the lack of creativity here. See these route concepts that were being drawn up. I mean, if you put Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson on the same side of the field, first and foremost, the other side of the field doesn't matter. And then if you're having them run routes within five yards of each other. 
and, and putting that many defenders in their, their area, where is Ben supposed to go with the football? I mean, Matt Canada just has nothing that can beat NFL defenses, and that's even more magnified in the red zone. So I, I would not have brought him back for a second season. And it, I mean, again, this is just the way that it looks right now. This could change. They fire him tomorrow that we're going to look like idiots after this show comes out. <laughs> uh, but I, I just think I think it's a foregone conclusion. Matt Canada is back for a second season. And I just I'm. I'm so on the fence about it because I think that there is a world, right, where Matt Canada's offense can succeed if he has the perfect pieces uh, at every level. I just I don't think that that should have to be the case for an offensive coordinator to be successful. And that's why I just I don't think that he's an NFL offensive coordinator. That's that's what I've been saying. Like when I've talked about Matt Canada, I understand that he wants a. Not even just like a strictly mobile quarterback. Like he doesn't need like a Lamar Jackson type, but he needs a passer that is able to move around. And he obviously he wasn't going to get that from Ben Roethlisberger. But that was the thing. I don't think as an NFL offense coordinator, you need your specific skill set of players to run a successful offense. I think you should be able to adjust to what you have to be able to run a offense more smoothly. And he just wasn't able to do that. Um and to kind of to relate what Tomlin said about him, like I know he said like he has an attractive offense, an attractive playbook towards him. And I'm, I'm thinking like last year, whenever Tristan Jari had his meltdown in the playoffs, Ron Hextall was like, I mean, we believe in this guy. He's our guy. And we're, and we're like, why are you saying that? Like he just sucked. But at the same time, like. Mike Tomlin is not going to clown his offensive coordinator like in front of everybody. He's not going to say that it, if it's going to be said, it's going to be behind closed doors and not to the public. And we'd find out later after he would inevitably be, be fired. Do I think that's going to happen at this point? No, I'm with you. I, I think that he is going to be back whether we like it or not. And maybe hopefully yeah. we see with maybe a younger quarterback, a more mobile quarterback, we could see more of what we thought we were going to get with his offense. Hopefully they improve the offensive line in this off season as well. But from what we saw so far, even with the limitations at players, like you're saying, we did not get any of the creativity. We thought we, we got a little bit. I feel like early on with some of like the jet sweet stuff, like I know they did it with like chase Claypool many times. And we thought they would do it with Juju before he got hurt as well, but it, it just wasn't the same as what we what was advertised. And honestly, it felt like a lot of the same as Randy Fickner's offense, or at least the re- re- repetitiveness of some of the play calling and the basically predictability at this point. I mean, there was parts of the season where it just felt like we knew what was going to happen before it happened. And that's the same thing we had with Randy Fickner. And so whether we like it or not, I think he's going to come back and maybe the quarterback play makes a difference. Maybe having a younger, more mobile quarterback makes a difference. But if you're asking me and I know you're in agreement, it shouldn't matter. Who, who, what, who it was. It shouldn't matter that you had a 39 year old Ben that couldn't move. You should be able to adjust your offensive coordinatorly accordingly. And he wasn't able to do that. Yeah. I mean, you know, let's kind of maybe talk about this could also play into this next thing with the defensive coordinator position, because maybe it's who is the head coach. That is the reason that these coordinator jobs just aren't attractive because of how much, control he wants on both sides of the football now from a defensive standpoint we know that to be the case from an offensive standpoint i'm not sure really how that division of power goes if you will but let's talk about the defensive side of the football now with keith butler retiring uh, pretty much immediately after he retires it's put out that 
Terrell Austin, the defensive badge coach who they brought in um, just last year, is likely to just be promoted to that position, which was, was the expected move. Um, now, now here's what I'll say about this. I just want to say my piece very quickly because I feel like this conversation could stray into something much larger about how the Steelers typically go about their business because this is how they go about their business. I think – and I understand the frustrations when people just see promotion and, uh, and immediately get upset with that because that's the Steelers' way of doing things. If it doesn't work out like it really hasn't, then we come back to think that it's just a mistake and they need to stop going about business the way that they are. What I will say is what makes this a little bit different to me is kind of the same reason that I didn't consider Canada so much an internal hire is because he's only been with the organization for a very short period of time. Um, but I'll also say like the defensive backs, they overachieved this year to me. And Terrell Austin to me is the biggest reason why. I mean, the the growth that we saw from some of these guys, I look what he did for a rookie like Trey Norwood. Um, the cohesion that we saw in that back end between guys like Mike Fitzpatrick and Terrell Edmonds. I thought Cam Sutton played okay. I would really say the one downfall of the secondary, the thing that really disappointed us was the play of James Pierre, who, again, we definitely had questions about. Other people thought he was just coming and just be a stud playing 38 snaps last season. Um, but I, I don't have an issue you know, with Terrell Austin being the defensive coordinator. And I think that the biggest reason is, what, what does it matter? Because if Mike Tomlin's calling the shots on defense anyway, it's really just a title change for Terrell Austin. Uh, so I, I have, I'm sorry, but I just have a hard time getting upset about Terrell Austin being promoted from the defensive batch coach to the defensive coordinator, knowing that his role isn't going to change all that much, in my opinion, because Tomlin's still calling the shots on Sundays. Okay, here's my only thing about it. Terrell Austin might be a great defensive coordinator. We We have no idea what he's going to be like. And this is nothing against him or it was nothing against Canada either whenever he, he's hired and everything like he's running within. And I know they were only with the team for one year, but I'm just so frustrated that the Steelers just refuse to look outside for job sourcing at those types of positions. I, I, I don't understand. Like I, immediately, like you said, immediately after we find out that Keith Butler is going to retire, like the next day yep. it comes out that they're going to promote him. I'm like, you're not even going to look like why not look around the league to see what you can get. And, and again, this is nothing against Tara Austin. He might be great, but I just don't understand that from a standpoint of like, if I'm Kevin Colbert, who also Kevin Colbert, he's retiring too. And he's just going to be off scot-free. Like, Oh, if this sucks, my hands are off. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, I just don't understand that line of thinking. And again, that just goes back to the Steeler way, which to me is a bunch of garbage anyway. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I just think that the way they, they run things is very old school and it's not going to be working anymore. I think you need to uh, look around and like you shouldn't. I, I, I think you need to be less loyal to people than they are. And I, I personally just think that it would it would be smart from a business standpoint to look outside of the organization. Again, Terrell Austin, he might be fantastic. We have no idea. This is just my, my frustration by immediately we, we know one defensive coordinator is going to retire. Keith Butler's retiring. And the next day we know that they're promoting somebody within the organization. It, it's just annoying to me. I, I don't understand why they refuse to outside source jobs. Yeah, I, I get that the frustrations with the process. I get. I guess what I'm saying is, it's not going to be 
you know, whether they want – who are you looking out the or, outside of the organization for? Because no one's going to want to come here and be the defensive coordinator for a defense that they're actually not calling on Sundays. So it's really like Terrell Austin promoted to that position or who? Because I, no one of – like people keep throwing around the name Wink Martindale. Wink Martindale was calling the shots for the defense in Baltimore. Why on earth would he want to come to Pittsburgh and let Tomlin call the shots on Sundays while he's just the de facto guy with the title defensive coordinator? So I, I just think what it comes down to is the fact that Tomlin has his hands – his fingerprints are all over that defense. There's no reason for anybody outside the organization to want to come in and be the defensive coordinator while not really being the defensive coordinator. Okay. I mean, that's fair. I, I And I don't yeah. have any names. I, I, I'm just saying. And this, yep. this goes more than, more than just the defensive coordinator, too. Like, I want them to get an outside hire for offensive coordinator. I mean, they, yeah, that's they, they got That's Randy, why I prefaced. They got, they got Randy no idea how it goes. Well, this this whole rant is just about the the way the Steelers do things as a whole, not just the this defensive coordinator yeah. thing. It's just this right. is the newest thing. Uh, but like for offensive coordinator, we went from Randy Fickner, who was who was Ben's quarterback coach. We hire him, and I, I understand Ben probably had a lot of influence on that. But same thing with Matt Canada, quarterback coach, gets hired as the offensive coordinator. Like who's going to be the next offensive player or offensive coach that's going to be the next offensive coordinator? Because that's a way, clearly the way the Steelers do things. Mike Sullivan. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's 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 just going to be a matter of time before we just do another inside hire, and that's just I I just get frustrated by that. I, I just think this a lot of the way the Steelers operate and do things should be a lot different. Maybe that changes whenever Kelvin mm-hmm. Colbert does retire. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how high well, up it goes to to where. Uh, like if it's like Art Rooney the second who makes some of those decisions as well, if he just leaves it, like gives the keys to Kevin Colbert, he does everything, and this is a lot of his decision making. But maybe we'll see with a new uh uh general manager that the team might operate a little differently. And that's another thing that sucks about this off season is that like no matter what happens, Kevin Colbert's gonna be gone. So this off season could yeah, be well- absolutely terrible, and he's just gonna leave. Well, that's the thing, too, is like, OK, kind of sticky with the same mantra, right, is is Kevin Colbert's walking away after the draft. The timing of that is kind of weird until you think about, OK, we know that it's just going to be an internal guy taking over at GM as well. Like with that being the case, I'm assuming that it's going to be between Omar Khan and Brandon Hunt. I, I'm actually leaning towards it being Brandon Hunt. I, he comes from the actual scouting background as well, as opposed to Khan just being more the numbers guy. They would obviously love to keep Khan in the organization, but I think there's going to be just a, a point where he gets where he's like, okay, I'm, I'm clearly climbing no higher in the, in the ladder here. Um, I'm going to go elsewhere. So uh, that could, you know, pop up after if, if Brandon Hunt ends up being the guy to take over here after the draft for Kevin Colbert, which as of right now, kind of like I said, you know, Mason Rudolph's like the, the betting odds favorite to be the Steelers starting quarterback to me, Brandon Hunt's the betting odds favorite to be the Steelers next GM. Um, and because again, why would another GM want to step in into, uh, there's only 32 jobs. Somebody would want to do it. But think about that. Like the fact that it, it's timed like this, where it's literally right after the draft that his um, contract is, comes to an end. Yeah. I, I just think that that's that's set up to be a guy under him just taking over because they're going to have so much influence in the draft and kind of like oversee it along with Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin. Yeah, I kind of wish Kevin Colbert would just like retire now and then give like all the responsibility to the whoever process, the next GM yeah. is. Exactly. I wish that was going to be the case, but it, it, it's not. It's not. Which is why I, I 
like I, I look forward to the offseason, especially this offseason so much because there's so much t- for this team that needs to happen. And we get the new quarterback position as well. But I just think that anything that happens, good or bad, and specifically more so bad, you could put the blame on Kevin Colbert, but he's not going to be here, so it won't even matter. So like, yeah, I'm like last very want- iffy about what could happen this offseason. Last thing I want to say here is the three pillars of every NFL organization, right, when you think about it, you got GM, head coach, quarterback. We've had the same ones for 15 years. Now, within in the same offseason, we're going to be replacing two of those. It, it, you, there's the argument, and I think it is the case, that this is the most intriguing offseason that we've had in our lifetimes for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, it has to be. I mean, I think if, if Kevin Colbert wasn't even retiring, that, that that's just kind of like something that's happening. But the fact that Ben Roethlisberger is retiring, that that's like the, like we said, that's the biggest retiring uh, athlete in Pittsburgh since Mario Lemieux retired. I, I don't think yeah. that we've ever experienced something like this as a Pittsburgh Steeler fan. And the fact that not only are we going to have to replacing our franchise quarterback eventually, but we also have to build pieces around him, specifically literally around him on the offense and more specifically that offensive line. There's a lot that this team has to do if they want to get back into really being a contender. Yeah. And there's no guarantees. It's a quick turnaround. All about finding that next guy quarterback, which it doesn't happen as easily as it a lot took of the Steelers, 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 Steelers 25 years between yeah. Yeah, Terry for, Bradshaw and Ben For a lot of people then, they saw the same guy for 18 and kind of, you know, never having to worry about that has probably changed people's perception of how easy it is to find a franchise guy. So it might not happen on the first shot, might not happen on the second shot. And like the Cleveland Browns, it ain't happening ever. So if, 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 if I can like, in my opinion, I think that the criticisms of rookie or like early on quarterbacks have gotten a lot higher because of some of the successes of quarterbacks that have come into the league and played well right away like Patrick Mahomes winning the Super Bowl in his second year I think people like that are making the criticisms from fans and from people in the media a lot higher of rookie and early in their career quarterbacks than they should be like I mean like there's people like trying to like say that uh, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Field, like they're all busts already. I'm like, they played, they weren't even playing one full season yet, and they're already declaring them a bust. I mean, a lot of times, yeah. like they don't, they might not get that good until like towards the end of their rookie contract. I just think it's ridiculous to like after one, not even one season to just automatically declare someone as bad and that you need to find a different one. There's a reason that those guys were taken early, it's because those teams sucked. And they weren't just a quarterback away in most cases. Cincinnati got Joe Burrow, and they have a really good thing going on there, and they're probably going to be really good for a long time. Congratulations to them. Doesn't always work out like that. You have a lot more cases that are like the ones we're talking about with a lot of the 2021 quarterback class. So uh, we could go on about this forever, but we're not going to, at least not on this episode. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up the show talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins, as always, for the third segment. So come back right here with us around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. And 
episode. Welcome back to Around the 412 on the DT Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm Smitty. That is Tyler. Let's talk about winners of five straight, the Pittsburgh Penguins. They are rolling again, but it, it hasn't always looked pretty for this team as of late. There's been a lot of games kind of that have been like Sunday afternoons against the Jets where Tristan Jari, he does give up a couple, but the chances that the Jets were getting, he could have had given up six today and no one could have really questioned him for it. Uh, but he keeps them in it long enough for them to kind of find their footing like they did in the third period. They get two goals within nine seconds to send it to overtime. Very exciting overtime where him and Hellebuck are just trading spectacular saves on each end. And then finally in a shootout, Sidney Crosby scores the only goal of the shootout and the Pens win. There's been a lot more games recently, like I said, where it's kind of ugly. Tristan Jari's kind of just willing them into being able to find their footing enough to win them hockey games. But man, this team, again, looks like minus a backup goaltender right now. They're ready to go. And and they're so deep. They're so talented. Assuming that these guys, we had four guys go down in Sunday's game in the first period, three of which returned. We'll see what the status is of Teddy Bluter. That looked disgusting, at least uh, after the hit where he's just spitting out blood the entire time skating back. So we'll see about him. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, barring some massive injuries down the stretch here, this team looks like a team that, that can really compete and probably their best team that they've had since 2018, probably. I, I would agree with you. Um, I think that this was a pretty good week for the Penguins. They started off with that great comeback win against the Vegas Golden Knights, going down three to nothing in the first period and managing to come back and win that game five to three. Pretty similar yeah. On, on Sunday as well with the Jets, you were down 2 nothing. They managed to score two goals within nine seconds of the third period, win in the shootout. By the way, Tristan Jari did not give up a goal in that shootout as well, so kudos to him. That was like his True. Achilles yeah, heel. They're really the only negative from the season so far with Tristan Jari is his shootout record, but he had a great shootout on Sunday. And yeah, this team is super deep. They their <laughs> hockey term, their compete level is so high that you never really feel like they're truly out of it. And honestly, the only time they, they feel like they're truly out of it is when Casey DeSmith was in net on Thursday night against the Senators. But let, let's be real. Um, he shouldn't see the ice again. But I, overall, this team is really good. They're really solid from from like top to bottom as well. It's not like one or two lines carrying the team. It's like the whole the whole team as a unit and there's so many guys that are having like great point streaks as well especially like like Mike Matheson he's he had like he had six goals and or not six goals six points in three games Chris Letang was on a what 10 11 game point streak it was finally snapped on Sunday unfortunately hey by the way congrats to him 900 games yeah congrats to Letang on 900 games hopefully Crosby can score his 500th goal during the six game homestand um, another defenseman, though, that has been great and uh, especially offensively lately is Brian Dumlin. He's got himself a couple goals this week. I, I, I feel like the, the defense as a whole has been uh, contributing more into the offensive side of the game, which I think has done yeah. like great things for this team. And they've been so solid defensively as well. And I just think this team is just fun to watch, but they're also really good. And in the East, we kind of like know, just looking at the standings, you already know who the playoff teams are. It's basically yeah, over it's- halfway through the season. It's, it's just where we're going to finish right now. I think the Rangers, uh, they played another an extra game, so they're a point of heaven ahead of us, but we have a game in hand. The fact that the Penguin, this team has been able to go from being last in the division in 
sometime in November and being able to climb their way back up slow and steady wins the race and they're fighting for that top spot in the Metro. I just think speaks volumes to this team as a whole and how they've been playing. It's been great. Yeah. I mean, really, I want to bring up one name as a guy. Okay. So like since Gino came back and they've gotten a little bit healthier, you know, I don't want to jinx anything by the time that we end up recording this, we're going to have another five guys go down or something. Um, But I think one guy that we've seen kind of take a step back in terms of production, and it's probably just because of his usage since, has been Evan Rodriguez. You know, the guy's been a marvel this year on pace for, you know, 30 goals, but he has, he's gone, what, seven games now without a point, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, are, are we worried about Evan Rodriguez or what, what do you, what is your take? I'll start with mine and then I want you to answer this. We'll see what the comments have to say about it too. I just, I think okay. he goes back more to, like I said, the second part of that with his usage. He's just not being used the same way. I mean, if you're not going to play him uh, in your top six, I, what can you really expect? I mean, he's going to find his footing here. I don't think that he looks any less confident. He's still carrying the puck, but he's no longer on that top power play, um, you know, with Brian Russ coming back. And he's no longer playing in your top six. So his minutes have decreased. He's playing less shifts. He's not playing with the same level of talent. So I think that he will find his footing. But I know that this has been a hot topic because, again, his production has, at least for like a week or so, has just completely fallen off a cliff. And people are wondering, where's Evan Rodriguez? Um, I just if you're actually watching him play, I don't I don't think that there's much difference other than he's just he's not putting the puck in the back of the net right now. Yeah, and it's not because he's not afraid to shoot the puck either because I'm looking at his shots in these like recent games we've had, 5-3-3-2. Three, three, I mean, he's getting shots on net still. I, I just don't think it's going in. And like you said, he's not being deployed. He's not being one of your top two centers. He's not playing a top line with Sid, although he did a little bit today whenever Russ was uh, yeah. in the locker room during injury. But it, it, that's going to happen whenever you're moving down the depth chart. You're not playing with Sidney Crosby, Jake Gensel. You're, he's not playing with like – Malkin, it's it, that those things will happen. I'm not really worried about it. I still think he's playing well. It's not like he's he's like noticeably be playing poorly on the ice. Um, I, I just think it is what it is. I mean, Evan Rodriguez is one of those guys that he could play uh, anywhere in the lineup, and sometimes it also has a consequence when it comes to your point totals and your offensive production. I, I think that he's still shooting the puck and he's still doing well out there. I just don't think he's as high scoring at as high of a rate as we saw early on, but we also don't need him to. And it's not that we don't want him to. We haven't needed that Evan Rodriguez to be the player he was a month ago. Um, lately, yeah. we've still been able to win, and we've been getting these guys back from injury. Yeah, and see, that's the thing. Like DK made a great point in, in talking about this was that when – you know, Gino comes back and these guys get to full strength and all of a sudden the team like starts playing at a different level. It's not because of those stu- superstars coming back. It's because everybody else doesn't continue to play at the same level they were before those superstars were back in the lineup. And I think Evan Rodriguez is probably like a prime candidate of a guy that's just not having the production right now. I think Danton Heinen too kind of falls into that category like where's Danton Heinen been? Um, and, you know, not to say those guys have been invisible, but they've been invisible from the score sheet. Um, although I think Danton Heinen did have an assist today or Sunday afternoon 
against Winnipeg. But that's neither here nor there. The production's definitely been down for those guys. And if it if it jumps back up, when you obviously add the production that Evgeny Malkin brings to the lineup, Brian Russ brings to the lineup, Jake Denzel brings to the lineup, the guys that they've gotten back here recently, again, this team is just super deep and they're ready to compete. I'm glad that you brought up the point about the teams in the East in the playoffs pretty much being set. I think the one team that's out of it right now that has a shot at all to jump in to a playoff spot would be maybe the Islanders just because they have so few games um, and they can make up that ground. But I, I don't know. I don't, I'm with you though. I think that we know the four from each of the two divisions that are going to end up being in the playoffs here. I think it's four and four. If you, you look at the number five seed in both of those divisions, they are so far back. I just, I don't see it. I think we know the playoff team. Specifically the Metro. I mean, the, yeah. In the Atlantic, you have the Bruins, which is in fourth right now, and they have 50 points in 38 games. And then the Red mm-hmm. Wings have 42 points yeah. in 42 games. So, I mean, and now the Bruins have four points in hand on them, and they're still eight points ahead, so they can still go high. But, like, that's not too far. Like, it, it technically could, like, make that up if you're the Red Wings. But, like, looking yeah. at the Metro, you got the Capitals, who have 55 points, and then it drops off to the Blue Jackets, who have 37 points. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's it's really cut and clear. Like, who's going to be making the playoffs out of this, especially this division, like the Penguins division? It's going to be the Rangers, the Penguins, the Hurricanes, and the Capitals. And yeah, it's it's going to be tough down the stretch. I mean, we're going to see like who gets like one through four. I mean, those are four really solid teams, especially. I mean, I, I kind of said it last year, like the, especially when the Rangers started playing better. Like, I thought they were going to be a pretty solid team. I didn't know that they were going to be yeah. this good right away. Um, but their rebuild was relatively quick. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a lot of so- exciting hockey. We're officially halfway through the season. Um, but another person I want to mention real quick is, and I noticed it this week. Uh, is starting to get a little bit of chemistry back is like Malkin coming back and playing with Kapanen. Kapanen has, uh, I think, f- four points in these four games this week. He had a couple assists early on. He had the goal on Sunday. Um, I, I just think that is great for him. I, I hope that continues to to do so. And I, I, I think that he's he's in like one of those pairings that Sullivan always likes. Like Malkin likes Kapanen with or Malkin and Kapanen and Jake and Sid like that, that, that stuff. Yeah. What's funny is they didn't start the game together. Like they made yeah. that switch. That was the one change Sullivan made to the lineup that wasn't injury related because Zach Gaston Reese going to be day to day with the, after he blocked a shot and Brian Boyle went back into the lineup. But the one change they made that wasn't injury related was flipping Evan Rodriguez and Kasperi Kapanen. And, you know, just due to when, like when Russ went down, you know, Rodriguez was taking shifts on the top line. So then Kapanen was seeing some time with Gino. Gino makes that, that great play, throws one off Kapanen's skate and goes into the net. So I, maybe this does start something for Kapanen. We know that those two like to play together, but it's not always the most productive when they are together, uh, especially from the perspective of they don't bring a whole lot in the defensive end. And if they're not in spending a lot of time in their offensive end, um, they kind of get caved in and they give up a bunch of chances when they're on the ice together. But today I feel like, especially in the third period, we saw some very good results from that line mm-hmm. in, in Kasperi Kapanen coming up on the back check. I, there was a play, I don't remember exactly the point of the game, where the Penguins are making a change, not the best change, and yeah, there's so only the one defenseman back. But Kapanen stops a pass from getting to the blue line coming back. Yeah, And that's just a play that's an effort play, but it's one that you don't always see Kasperi Kapanen make. And, yeah, you know, I thought he was flying today. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that he had a really strong game. I mean, especially in the third period. Again, it's kind of hard to evaluate which Penguins were playing really well in that first 40 because I don't think there were many. Um, I could probably count on one finger, not just one hand, one finger, how many guys had a good 40 minutes before that third period. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, but I do think in that third period they saw some good results. And those two, like I said, they want to play together. If you if you want to play together, they got to be able to play together and get good results and they're out on the ice. And uh, at least in the third period, they did. We'll see what it looks like continuing going forward. We'll see if Solomon makes that switch right back uh, in their next game. Yeah, we've got another four game week this week. Uh, so yep. lots of hockey to talk about uh, next week's show as well. I, I love whenever we get multiple games in a week. I know coming up we have. Yeah, a- after this week, we've got uh, one, one of the weeks. We only have one game. Um in the entire week. Okay. Cause we, that we, should be we, a fun uh, week for yeah. us on the show. <laughs> yeah. We've got penguins and capitals on that Tuesday on February 1st. And then they don't play again until February 8th. So there's like, I think I can see all-star break like all-star weekend. Yeah. Oh boy. We know it's not the Olympics. <laughs> Let's roll. Um, you got anything else? I think that that about wraps it up on my end. Yeah, just keep going. Keep fighting for that number one spot in the Metro. It's going to be fun. Uh, Yeah, it should be fun down the stretch here. Second half of the hockey season. Ready to roll, obviously. uh, Steelers in off-season mode. And uh, the MLB as a whole, and we're not doing anything mode. So uh, until further notice, (laughs) like I said, keep sending those questions in for the first segment of the show. We love having them. If you are not already subscribed to the DK Pittsburgh Sports YouTube channel, be sure to do so. Leave us a like on here. Leave us a comment in regards to anything that we talked about on the show, future questions, whatever you guys think. Come back here every 2 p.m. Eastern Monday for the live premiere of this show or what? (laughs) Just the the wording on that. Every long, 2 p.m. Long, Eastern Monday. Yeah, it was a pretty long-winded way of was saying it, 2 p.m. Every, Eastern no, no. Monday. <laughs> not every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, no, I, that was too, <laughs> every that would 2 been too easy Eastern for me to Monday. say. <laughs> um, but the, all the podcasts premiere at 2 p.m. throughout the week. So not just us. Come back here for every show. See if you love the content. I see no reason why you shouldn't. So for Tyler... This has been Smitty. This is the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. This is Around the 412, and we'll be back next Monday. Appreciate you guys, as always, tuning in. We'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.